This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Well, good morning, good morning. I already addressed all of you this morning, but uh, I just want to say thanks for being here today. Everyone's greeting one another. Thanks for being here today. I, uh, I always try to mention this. Um, I just hope, I hope everyone recognizes how much your presence is felt uh, when you're here and when you're not here. Um, and you're like, you don't notice when I'm not here. Like, I may not always notice your face is gone. Most of the time I do, actually. Um, but uh, hopefully, I don't know, maybe I lied. I, I notice a lot of faces. I, I forget names pretty well. But uh, I definitely know when, 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 when we have people in the room and that are expecting God does something amazing. So thanks for being a part of this community and thanks for being here today. Um, I know that all of us are excited for the Super Bowl. And even if you're not excited for the Super Bowl, like I said, you're probably excited for food. Um, so uh, everyone's got something to look forward to today. Um, anyway, today we're uh, kicking off week five of a series we've been in called Love Where You Live. Love Where You Live. Turn your neighbor say, Love Where You Live. To your neighbors, say, uh, after five weeks, do you love where you live yet? <laughs> Not everyone said that. They're like, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I spoke too fast. It's too long to remember. Um, anyway, if you've been with us, we've been on, um, since like the second week of January, we've been on this journey of asking God this question, what would happen if each of us really um, really began to love where we, where we live? What would happen? Um, and that's like a loaded question in a lot of ways, but as we've unfolded the last couple of weeks, we've been on this journey of asking this question. And so we're excited to kind of continue that journey, and we're going to get into today what we're going to be talking about in just a second. But I challenge you just to continue to keep this journey on the forefront of your mind. If this is your first week, go back and listen to the weeks that you've missed. If this is not your first week, continue. Grab that pamphlet um, or the booklet or the handout, whatever's in the lobby out there. Grab one of those. Fill it out. Grab multiple of them. Look at them regularly. Let this become a part of your life, because um, God's really trying to do something in our church. And so um, we we. Our whole goal of this series has been to challenge ourselves post-pandemic in a world that seems like in some ways it's tearing itself apart. We've, discuss, we've, we've decided to ask the question, God, like, what could happen if we began to love where we live? Like, what could you do in me personally? What could you do in my family? What could you do in my coworkers, my neighborhood? Ultimately, what could you do in this city? And ultimately, what could you do in this nation? What could you do through, through me, through us, collectively going on this journey? And so we've recognized that as we've stepped into this, that there's actually four phases of this journey, and I don't want to unpack all of them fully, but Acts 1.8, Jesus comes to the disciples right before he departs, and he says, but you, right, begins in us, will receive power, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which was their immediate context, and then in all Judea and Samaria, which was the area surrounding them, and then to the ends of the earth. And so as we looked at this passage of scripture and we looked at this journey that God was calling us to walk, we really saw four phases. Phase number one was personal transformation. Say personal transformation which we're actually going to be concluding today, and I hope that you've been challenged thus far in the series. And then next week we're kicking off home transformation. Say home transformation. And hopefully you walk away from that, that phase going, okay, so if I want to see the world look different, I need my home to look different first. I can't expect the world to do something that I'm not doing personally in my own home. Um, and then the uh, third phase is circle transformation, which circles everywhere else that you live life, neighborhoods, schools, uh, friends, um, 
what, did I say work? Work, gym, whatever it is. That's where you live life. That's where you do life. And then phase number four hopefully fans out. And long term, we're planting seeds, and hopefully we see a city transformation. So with that being said, um, I'm excited for today. And today's going to look a little bit different. In this sort of format, it's definitely more chill, and that's a good thing sometimes when we approach a conversation like this, as well as, like, it's just going to be really inf- informative. Um, and so I encourage you to keep your heart sensitive and open. I believe that God, as we were looking at this and dialoguing this together, I believe that God is going to speak some very basic truth today that I think a lot of us live in, some of us may struggle to live in, but regardless, we can always get better at it, and we can always have more of it, and it is so important. So with that in mind, before we kind of jump into specifically what we've been talking about, um, share your thoughts. What do you feel like, um, how do you feel about the series so far? Where do you feel challenged? What do you feel like God's been speaking to you on the side about it as you've heard the messages, preached the messages? That's a loaded question, yeah. but... Well, I think, you know, as we've been talking about it, we've been in a process for several months in writing this, and now it's actually being fleshed out in how we're handling it. And um, just like the rest of the series, this ser- this sermon was written in the past, you know, so today as it comes, it's stuff that we've actually had to walk out. Um, hearing great testimonies, people that are being challenged in so many areas, but me personally, I think probably... Um, probably the recognition that I need, desperately need the Holy Spirit to show me who me is, to show me, you know what I mean? Because I think that oftentimes I can go and I can approach this and I can be blind to myself, and I can even sometimes be deaf to the Word of God, you know what I mean? And um, so the desperate need for Holy, the Holy Spirit to, to, to show me, to reveal to me, and then God's grace to give me power to walk it out, probably. What about you? Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I just... When God started birthing this, I just really started to believe that, like, if everyone, if I took heart of this, but if everyone in our community took heart of this, like, we would see a change. It may not be the exact change you imagine, but I keep, every week I'm reminded that, like, if all of us were to actually take hold of this idea of loving where you live, with every ounce of our being for this next five months and beyond, I think God would actually start, to, you start to see changes through God in your life. And so that that's huge. Um, and I think, uh, I think, Hopefully you're asking yourself each week, how am I being challenged? Because that's the, the goal is like we're not just preaching just for fun because I could do a lot more things with the time I put into these messages. Um, but uh, we do it because we, we believe that God's word challenges us and makes us better. And so anyway, with that being said, we are stepping into the last week of this personal transformation phase. Um, and as we looked at the series, we were extremely strategic to go, okay, so how are we getting our community from point A to point B? This idea of loving where you live is absolutely amazing. It's very broad, but how are we going from point A to point B? And so as we looked, we planned the week strategically. And if you were here the first week, was basically this preface of asking all these questions. And then since then, we've been on this journey of going, okay, so how do we become personally transformed? So we've talked about having um, God's heart affect our heart so we see as he sees. That's through prayer. And then um, before Bethany, Pastor Jesse preached on God's word and how that affects us. And so we really wanted to go, okay, so if everyone would commit within themselves to go, I'm going to to let God in me through his word and prayer change me, then they will begin to love where they live in a different way. So we believe that, and that's what we've preached towards so far. But as we realize at the end of this personal uh, personal transformation phase, it couldn't just end there. Um, And that may sound weird, but like most importantly, you need God's word, you need prayer, you need time with him. But there is an element that God created all of us to have that is so quintessential to us actually walking this out. And it's well beyond the series. But that's this idea of relationships. And that's not just any relationships, that's a very specific type of relationship. And we know that in Genesis 2.18, God in the very foundation said it's not good for man to be alone. That was like within the first two chapters of the Bible. That was as he was making earth, making humans, he recognized this idea of um 
relationship on relationship, shoulder on shoulder, doing life together. But when it comes to this idea of loving where you live, there's a very specific type of relationship. It doesn't have to be one person, but there's a specific type of relationship that we all need. And so we're going to talk about that today, that relationship. And again, it's going to look different for everyone. This is not a one-size-fits-all. We're going to give principles that hopefully you can identify and, and implement into your life. And so with that being said, um, I want to add before I give you the title today is that these type of relationships or lack thereof will directly determine the outcome of your life. If you have these relationships, your life will, will automatically become better. And if you do not have these relationships, they will not be as good. And that's not trying to be mean because these are accessible to everyone. It's you being willing to put in the work and as well as put in the work to foster it, have one, and even play your role on the side of pouring into the other person. So that's what we're going to dialogue today. So the, today's title is Personal Transformation is a Journey that You Must Walk with Others. I want that just to get in everyone's brain. Personal transformation is a journey you must walk with others. If you want to love where you live, you have to, A, love people, but you also have to have people alongside of you that help you love where you live better. That You need their perspectives, their opinions, their accountability, their love in your life, challenging you to love with all that you can. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Before we do, I'm going to pray and just ask God's anointing on this, and then PK is going to continue on. So God, I just thank you today for this opportunity we have. God, I pray that you take this simple idea, God, that um, we're going to share today, God, that really is, is very elementary and informative, God, but it's so good that all of us need it. And I just pray that people's hearts would be attuned and open to it. God, as we cast the seed, God, I pray that all of our heart soil would go, now I can do this better. How can I do this better? How can I do this for someone else better? God, and I pray that ultimately this would be a seed planted that makes our community in the long run better. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. Personal transformation, I love this. Ultimately, we know that it comes from God. It comes from our intimate relationship with him. And I think that in our culture today and in humanity today, that sometimes we can skew that. Sometimes we can say, I'm going to be defined by a person, or am I going to be defined by God, right? Have we, have we had those relationships that have swayed us in ways that were not healthy? And I think that's really what it has to come back to is this personal transformation ultimately has to come from an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, it has to come as we've, we've paved the way here through the Word of God, through prayer, through time with Him, through the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. But there is this, I'm going to call it a caboose that we want to add on to this, one that, that is not an afterthought, but it is kind of a thing that God planned and designed. And as Pastor Trenton already shared, this, this is a, a, a journey that has to be walked. It's a journey that you walk through a process, a journey that we've endeavored to walk together. Uh, you know, we can sit up here and we can talk about different people in our lives, and probably I have uh, six individuals in my life, including my mom, that would be one of those that I, I can just go, hey, and I can spout, and she's going to come back and listen to me, but she's going to bring me back to the Word of God. And so I think that's really what has to happen. But how you live, how you love where you live is impacted by your ability to be challenged with with other perspectives and ideas. Ultimately, challenged by the Word of God, right? You know what I mean? So as we look over the last couple of weeks, the Word of God has gone forth with boldness and strength. And if you're not being challenged ultimately by the Word of God, you're missing the point. Because it's not me that can change you. It's not our convincing words that can change your perspective. It has to come back to God going, I'm going to change your heart. And so part of that is also being presented with the perspective of other people people that, that love God, people that have background, and I don't want to get too ahead of that, but uh, I can tell you that in myself, there's times that I can have attitudes that are not spiritual attitudes. I can have attitudes that are not healthy attitudes. That I, there's times that in my marriage, I'm not always the godly man that, that I would love to be. 
As a parent, I'm not always the godly parent that I want to be. And as a pastor, so there's those areas that sometimes in my flesh and in my humanity, I need someone that I can blah, and they're going to call me back to what I, what I hope to know. And if I don't know, I need, I need to know. Um, so the ultimate goal of this, the ultimate challenge is that our lives as believers would be shaped, that we would grow. You know what I mean? We're going to get to that. Let me ask, how many have ever had, had a memorable conversation that has transformed your life? Can you go back to a memorable conversation that someone had with you or you had with somebody and it shaped you? Even to this day, it shaped you. I go back many years uh, to, a, to one particular. There's been many conversations, but I want to give you a definition of a phrase today. It's called crucial conversations. It's, a conver- it's crucial conversations. It's actually a business world term or business yeah, business term uh, in, in our world, but also I believe that it has to be in our lives. And I want you to see the definition. Conversations that have handled appropriately have great impact and can also bring personal and relational breakthrough. Right? We probably could label those that didn't bring breakthrough. Right? We can look at those that were probably wrong and how they were handled. Am, am I, have, we been, have, we been, have we done those ourselves and have we been done those with other people? I think it comes back to this aspect of we want to have breakthrough, healthy breakthrough. And so I want to just give you a story quickly, real quickly uh, going back in my life of a, re, of a very transformational conversation that took place that still follows me today, that still shapes me today. Ron and I have been married for 36 years, uh, ups and downs, happy, sad, all the things that go along with marriage, but uh, she has been probably the one in my life that God gave me as a crucial conversation person, the very, very first in my life. Um, and I remember when we were first married, I, just so you know, I grew up in a dysfunctional home. Uh, we all do because we're all dysfunctional, right? But I grew up in a dysfunctional home. And from that dysfunction, I carried dysfunction into my marriage. Uh, dysfunction in relationships, dis- dysfunction in perspectives, dysfunction in all those things. And I remember one of my primary dysfunctions that I have battled forward, battled to win, has been a dysfunction that I had with my dad. My dad's now passed, but it's been a dysfunction that shaped my life, that shaped my behavior, shaped my attitude, shaped what I thought. And uh, I remember one particular time, it was in 19, probably 1988-ish or so, uh, we were coming home from Montana from a vacation, and I can't put a, my finger on that a particular thing happened, whether it was external, whether it was something that, an exchange between my dad and I, or if it was an internal tension that was there. And I remember we were driving home from Montana, had just passed through Spokane, and uh, we're in our little red Toyota Corolla in the abyss of Eastern Washington, where there's just nothingness. Uh, my wife was a captive audience, and I began to spout, and I began to vent, and I began to uh, solidify a bunch of things that just went on, ranting on and on and on. Anybody ever ranted on and on and on about something? Ranting on and on and on. And I remember probably for hours, and here my wife is trying to bring direction and, and guidance and wisdom and love and validation but in the middle of all that, as she was doing that, I, re- I re- realized that I was getting angrier inside. As I was speaking, as I was venting, that there was, I was just exacerbating bitterness and hurt with inside myself. And I knew that, I, and I really honestly, I didn't know how to stop it. I didn't know how to stop the cycle. It was a cycle that I had lived in for so long. And honestly, guys, it's a cycle that I continue to try to battle. 
I've not, I've not overcome. I've not finished yet. And how many are still in the process? But I remember, Siri's wanting to talk to us today too. Trying to have a crucial conversation. That's right. <laughs> but I remember this, this transformational moment, this conversation. I got done ranting and there was a moment of silence and Rhonda broke the silence with calmness and with clarity. And she basically said these words, just so you know, I won't be going back to Montana with you on vacation again. Unless you can fix this situation in yourself and you can bring resolution. I would love to say that her confrontation of me was a happy ending at that moment. And I was like, oh, wow, breakthrough, right? Uh, it did not happen. It did not happen. In that moment, I didn't necessarily spout, but I was angrier inside. And at that moment, I felt betrayed. I felt misunderstood. There was, I was anger, angry. And so rather than just being angry at my dad, now I'm angry at my wife. And we drove home, whether I, and, I, and she probably could, I pouted, and I was sullen the rest of the trip home. And we're talking probably a three- or four-hour drive. I remember this process of walking through this internally going, no, I know this is my personal problem. I can't change my dad. I can't change me. Holy Spirit, I need you to change me. But it was her words that confronted. I would love to say that everything switched. And as I got home, I, I, I remember going back and realizing that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Her words, they wounded me. Her words, they challenged me. But can I tell you that they also called me to attention. And in that process, uh, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. I remember getting back home to Forest Grove, and I don't remember how quickly, but I sat down and wrote a long letter to my dad trying to express uh, resolve and forgiveness and issues. I would love to say that everything got fixed, but can I tell you after that letter there was never a conversation. I was trying to open a door to go, hey, let's fix this. And he never did, we never did dialogue from that point on. My part as well as his part. But can I tell you that it began that journey in my life that I go back to today, those words, whether it's over the relationship with my dad, over the, that process of going, no, I have to, am, am I exacerbating an issue or am I allowing God to heal me? No, super good. And I think all of us could pull an example or story like that. No, I definitely could. And I think the importance to remember as we go through what we're about to go through now is that this is not, again, a one-size-fits-all. And at the end of the day, like, the goal of this message is to probably give um, ways for us to live a lifestyle that allows for conversations like this to be had. And it's going to take your part in being willing to have those conversations to someone and then also being open enough to let them have those conversations with you. And I think it's, it's absolutely crucial. So let me ask you a question. In our relationship, have we ever had a conversation that you walked away mad at me? Yeah. <laughs> He's never been mad at me, though. <laughs> Come on, right, Mom. Yeah. Let's uh, no, it's it's definitely true. And I think at the end of the day, like, the idea is to always get better at having those conversations. But sometimes truth has to be said. And then both people knowing the goal of that relationship is how it's mended. And I think the issue is a lot of people don't have the vested relationship. So they just speak truth. And then it leads to hurt. And then it never gets resolved. And it's not beneficial. And so we're going to do our best today to try to unpack this. And we're not pros at it. But we're going to do our best today to unpack this. But before we do, I want to really quickly just give a text. Because we're going to bring the Bible in throughout it. But I want to give a specific passage of Scripture really quick that I believe highlights a principle that we're trying to walk out today. And that's found in Galatians. So if you want to flip there, you can. 
It's going to be on the screen. But, as, um, but before we read it, I want to give a little bit of context. So after Jesus had, um, had departed from earth, after he had died, rose from the grave, and departed from earth, um, he gave the gift of, of, the God, of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to all believers. And as the Holy Spirit came and filled all believers, the church began, and it began to grow fast, and then persecution happened, and that caused believers everywhere to fan out all throughout the world. But as, as, as they were walking this out, there were some things that like they had to deal with culturally that were going on. For instance, when Jesus came to minister, there was massive social barriers and divides that, that were going on in that day. For, for example, one was Jews and Gentiles. Um, Jews were God's chosen people, right? And the Gentiles were basically everywhere else. And because of God's Old Testament law and the Jews' understanding of that, they, have, they created all sorts of social boundaries between Gentiles. They would not eat with them. There was, like, lack of socialization with them. There was all these different things. When Jesus came on the scene, he was Jewish, but he, he began immediately by his actions and his ministry to break down every single one of those divides. He sought out Gentiles. He ministered in Gentile areas. And this would have been mind-blowing, and this is part of, part of the reason why the Pharisees He's killed him because he was like literally going against something they so strongly believed in. But as he did this, he began to show that Jews and Gentiles, there should be no barrier between them. And after he left, his disciples would have understood this and seen this, but they still wrestled with the social norms of that day. But God came um, to Peter in Acts chapter 10, and through a vision and an encounter with a man, God revealed to Peter, like, no, God is for all people, even Gentiles. This led to um, a big discussion that happened in, I think, Acts uh, 11 and 15, somewhere in my notes, um, Acts 11 and 15, I believe, um, where the church came together and was like, no, now, now the gospel's for all Gentiles as well. And so they came and made a, like a general cons, um, consensus that this was how we were going to proceed forward. God is for all people. It's not just the circumcised and uncircumcised, Jew, Gentile. It's for all people. But after Peter has this, from my understanding, there's an account um, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, arguably one of the greatest and most influential people other than Jesus in our faith to walk the earth, he wrote in a letter um, in Galatians about an encounter he had with Peter where he had to call Peter out because Peter had forgotten what he had already believed that God had shown him and he had walked off base of how he was loving where he lived. And I think that in this story, it highlights a principle that we all need to A, be submissive, submissive, like submitted to having done our life as well as be willing to have with other people. So I want to read that real quick before, and then we're going to jump into a couple points. So it says in Galatians 2, it says, When Cephas, a.k.a. Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Paul, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain um, men came from James, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, Peter began to draw back and separate, separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. So he was afraid of what the Jews thought of him. It says the other Jews joined Peter in this hypocrisy so that by their um, hypocrisy, even Barnabas, sorry, was led astray. When I, Paul, saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, and this is key, right? It wasn't Paul's just opinion, but with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? And obviously today we don't have a lot of time to go into any more context than that, but I want you to see that there's this principle of where Paul recognized Peter could have been doing better. So he challenged him to live higher. And that's a principle we all need. So how do we walk this out? And again, we're trying to bring this back to loving where you live because this is super important. So number one, you need to find the right relationship. Say the right relationship. 
And you're like, thank you for the elementary teaching, Trenton. This is super obvious. It is very obvious, but I think we need to start here because on an, all, on an elementary level, we need to recognize that who we do life with, who we do life with, who we allow into our life determines how we see our life and how we live our life. So you have to ask yourself, when you have judgments against politics and our city and your coworkers and things, are you allowing other people's opinions that have said some of those things influence how you behave towards those people? I'm like, how many times do we pick up an effect with a coworker because someone else has an offense with that coworker. It's just a thing. So like we have to recognize like who we surround ourselves with really matters. And honestly, even if you spend a ton of time with God and you're like an angel and you have a halo, even the people around you can still influence you outside. So it's not like just you pour in all this God and you're going to be fine. No, you have to make sure the people surrounding you support that as well. And so um uh, with and then I want to caveat that. Sorry, I'm trying to look at my notes. Um, before I, um, before we get any further, I want to caveat that by caveat that by saying. Sorry, I'm speaking fast because we have a lot of material and we're going long. Um, I want to caveat that by saying that this does not mean that you should find this one relationship and cut all other relationships. You should and 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 like will have relationships that do not fit within this category. But you do need. A relationship, if not multiple, that fit within the category we're describing today. So when I say find the right relationship, what do I mean? Well, I think we need to come to the realization that most of us find ourselves in two boats, either um, not having good relationships or relationships at all or having the wrong relationships to fit what we're talking about today. Harvard reported actually two Februarys ago, post-pandemic, that loneliness has increased in America since the pandemic. They reported that 36% of all Americans have felt serious loneliness, serious loneliness. And I think all of us could either fit within that category or have felt some sort of loneliness in the last few years, and even throughout our lifetime, throughout different seasons. And it's crazy because although we are constantly surrounded by technology and all these ways to connect with people, we still find ourselves feeling lonely. The other hand, though, some of us may feel like we're not alone, but do we have the right relationships that can actually do what this relationship needs to be doing? And that's not a knock on who you're doing life with. It's just going, you need to be wise with how you live your life and who you do it with. So really quickly... This could be a whole sermon itself. I want to give just a couple qualifications for what the right type of relationship is for what we're talking about. So the first one today is the person you are trying to label for this relationship, someone who seeks with all of their being to filter their life through God. So not just are they morally sound or, or do they have some good wisdom or even better yet, not do they not just have knowledge of God. Because you know how many people have knowledge of God, but they do not have a life that is submitted to God is God's Savior and Lord, not just Savior, not God, I need your grace today. Is he Lord? So God, if you tell me to do this, I will do it. Is he Lord of their life? And this is huge. This is not a standard. This is like the standard for this relationship. And if you don't have this person, there are plenty of people in this room I can introduce you to that you can build a relationship with that fit this standard. Um, but are they someone that actively works to live a, God, a life God calls them to live? Do they discipline themselves with the habits and lifestyle Jesus calls us to walk? If you want someone to walk alongside of you in life and impact how you love where you live, then you need to know this person is following and being impacted by God. So that's the first qualifier. The second one, which is led from this, is what, what does the fruit in their life show? And this doesn't mean they have to be perfect, but what is their life producing um, that God, or is, is their life producing what God wants for us to walk out? Speeding up. I know you're looking at your clock. You're like, come on, bro. Um, Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You should live your life having filters of, of, of seeing how what people's fruit of their life says. And that can be 
turning to judgment, but it's also called wisdom. And you have to go like, is this someone I would like to become? Because you will become like this person, whether you like it or not. And I love in Galatians, and I kind of pointed out, when Paul comes to confront Peter, he says, I saw they were not acting in line with the gospel. Paul was looking at their fruit based off of what Jesus said their fruit should be, not what he felt their fruit should be. Number three of this qualifier is, do they bring a perspective that you don't have? And this one is super important. So once you find this person that loves God and fits the other qualifiers, this is the most important qualifier other than this. See, oftentimes we find people that have the same opinion as us, and then they keep us comfortable because they never disagree or bring a different opinion. But that is such not a good way to live because the only way you grow is by being challenged in your understanding. And there's people that you need that have different upbringings than you, different understandings, different experiences, different opinions that then challenge you to see with more compassion, to open your eyes to bigger and better perspectives. So for just a couple examples, and then I'll hand it off back to PK, is does our view of raising our kids only get influenced by opinion of of, um, sorry, does our view of raising our kids only get influenced by our opinion of it, or do we have other God-fearing people speaking to it? Does our view of how we care for our spouse only get, only get influenced by our opinion or other people's opinions? And then expanding further, does our view of the homeless situation in Salem get influenced by people that actually have different contexts of that situation than you do? You know how many people are upset with it, but they have no skin in the game, or they have no understanding of that situation? Does your view of politics only get influenced by people that view politics the same as you? Does your view of the, the race situation in our society only get influenced by people that are of the same race as you? At the end of the day, like, you can't understand someone on the opposite spectrum unless they're on the opposite spectrum. And sadly, we have a lot of people that are just vying with the same opinion towards a subject that they need other people's opinions to speak to. I love Erwin McManus says this, I don't walk into a room trying to convert someone. I walk into a room trying to understand someone. And so we need that relationship, that one-on-one. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I love that. I think, you know, as you talk there, I think probably the overarching thing is is the right person is the person that's going to challenge us towards godliness. You know, it's not someone that's going to pet our behavior or pet our attitudes. It's really going to say, hey, I love you enough to to make you different. Um, Point number two is pursue deep and consistent conversation in that relationship. Everyone say pursue. Pursue. Pursue is that process of reaching for something. Uh, I think many of us in this room, we, we... we like to be pursued, but do we pursue? Uh, we don't necessarily want to take responsibility for that relationship. I, uh, I believe that all humans, we all want to be understood. We want to be heard. How many like to be listened to? We want to be heard. When we're expressing something, we want to be heard. And in being heard, that brings validation to us. Uh, and, I, I th- and that's so important. Validation of not necessarily a behavior, but just validation of who we are is, is important. Uh, validation tells someone that their emotions, feelings are respected. It makes space for another person's emotions to exist. Through validation, we can confirm that others have their own emotional experiences that are real to them, that are valued by them, that are important to them. Okay, so when we talk about this process of pursuing a conversation, it's not coming just from your perspective to go, well, you're stupid. It's actually going, let me listen, let me hear, let me understand, because I need to val- because what you're going through is real to you. Your frustrations are real to you, right? It's a, it's, and they're important to you. Um, and, and what happens oftentimes, I think, is that we can uh, skim over that and therefore make people feel unvalued. But I think what happens if we don't have it is that we can get stuck in human validation 
and we can get stuck in our perspectives rather than being shifted from those perspectives to God's perspective. As believers, we ultimately need our validation from God, right? And I think that that's that, that's this tension, that's this te- challenge that we have because we're human and we want skin in the game. And so people are in the skin in the game with us. But really the tension, uh, really it has to come back to that God is our ultimate validator. God is the one that we're doing everything for. Max Lucado says this, God loves you just the way you are. How many are thankful that he loves you just the way you are? That, ju- that if you never changed, it's not going to remove the amount of God, the, the amount that God loves you. God loves you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. God loves you just the way you are. But can I tell you that I love this statement? But he refu- But uh, another way that I've heard it, but he loves you so much that he refuses to leave you that way. Right? He refuses to leave you that way. He's going to put you in situations and circumstances. He's going to bring relationships into your life. He's going to have you hear words that is going to challenge you, give you the opportunity to change. God uses people to shape us. Whether that's sandpaper people in your life or whether that's people that understand, whatever it is, God uses people to shape our lives. These relationships require that there's trust that's built. These relationships require that, there's, that you learn to listen, not just hear the words. Learning to listen, learning to go, how do I validate what they're going through is very real. Not just over, not this, you're not there to fix them. Um, I had a mentor that said this to me, you cannot touch another person's soul unless you have built a bridge through prayer first. You cannot touch another person's soul unless you have built a bridge through prayer first. And I'm going to come back and go, that relationship with you and God has to be very evident, but it also has to be a relationship that's here. Because we can come and we can try to go through our culture and I'm going to speak truth to you. And really, it's, I have no merit to do so. I have no merit to do so. Um, what are practical, so real quickly, what are some practical handles to walk this out? Uh, in, in the pursuing of this, again, everyone say pursue. So in pursuing this, you have to be willing to step in to do some things on your own, not just expecting from somebody else. Uh, I would say that the number one practical handle here is that you need to pray for one another. Not just saying, okay, Trent, I'm going to pray for you right now. It's not about, that's important, But are you praying for that person behind the scenes? Are you praying over their soul? Are you praying over situations and circumstances? I know that everyone in this room, we're perceptive enough that we can come from a a conversation and we can possibly hear judgment or we can hear anger or we can hear something that the other person may not be completely aware of. And rather than going and going, did you know? It's going, God, did you know? God, I'm praying over that area in their heart. God, I'm praying over that area. God, I see insecurity. Man, God, I'm hurt. And you begin to pray and you begin to feel that for them. You're, that, that's that prayer that's building a bridge to having a conversation. Secondly, you have to care for one another. Everyone say care. Care is not just about what you receive. It's about what you give. Care enough to listen. Care enough to care. Care enough to reach out. Uh, care enough to check on one another. Uh, whether that's a text, a phone call, a breakfast, um, whatever it is, you have to care. And you, you come back and go, well, I would care if someone cared about me. Again, it's about you pursuing. You pursuing. If you want this kind of relationship, you have to be it. You have to be it. Uh, next one is inquire about one another. Uh, in this This idea of inquire and the friendships that I have that fit this need are are people that ask me hard questions. (laughs) They're recognizing something's going on in my life, and they don't just go, oh, I'm so sorry. I want that. 
How many doesn't want that? But they come back and go, so Kevin, where do you have to own this? What part of this is your issue? Ah, right? Those are hard questions, and we have to be willing to ask those hard questions. Why do you feel this way? What is the root of this issue in your heart? Can I tell you that many times when we're having a struggle within ourselves, with a person, with, a, with God, with a situation, it's attached to something that it has a root over here. It's not usually the situation itself. There's a root in our life, right? And we have to have people that are going to inquire about that. They're going to ask us. Last one is that we need to reveal. We, we need to reveal. We have to open up. A, we have to open up without even being asked. Um, there's times that that I'm ashamed of my attitude, or I'm ashamed of where I'm at, or whatever. And there's certain people I have to come and go. Okay, I got to swallow my pride, and I just I just have to say I'm struggling right here. I have a nasty attitude right now, and I. I, I'm just going to be transparent with you. In that transparency, I'm humbling myself and giving myself an opportunity for them to speak into my life. I'm going, I need help. How many ever need help? And really, it comes back to that revelation to go, I'm going to reveal because I need to show that I need help. Uh, the challenge in this, real quickly, and I'm over myself, but the challenge in this is of these types of relationships is this. We want to create a safe environment. We want to create a ear that listens, but there is an alert that has to come with this because in relationships like this, they can become dysfunctional. Why? Because we're sinful and we're dysfunctional. So I want you to hear this just real quickly. The Bible is very clear in James chapter 5, verse 9, and all throughout, don't, crumble, don't grumble against one another. Don't grumble about brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So real quickly, I just want to give four words here that... that uh, have been a guide in my life, have been a guide in my conversations, that have been a guide that even I think Rhonda has come back and even helped me in the process of this for 36 years. But there's a difference between venting, complaining, grumbling, and gossip. So I just want to kind of give you some highlights. Number one, venting. We all vent, right? We need vent. We need to blow off steam. Venting is airs frustrations or challenges and moves on. Venting seeks resolution, is pursuing resolution, whether that's internally. Uh, the venter you're, is not allowing you to step into these other categories. The venter is going, no, I love you enough and care about you enough that this is a moment of venting, but am I going to allow you to turn this into something that's unhealthy? And in the process of this, this isn't easy, right? I mean, when venting turns into my life and you call it out, what's generally my response? Yeah, I think excuse. I mean, no, I excuse. I, I think I think it's hard too to always decipher between because sometimes for me, like I need to like I know I need to be corrected, but I need to actually vent all the way before I get corrected too. So it's like I think that's a part of the yeah. plays in the venting. As well. So again, when you don't necessarily like it, you know, someone to stop. So complaining goes to griping about something, finding dissatisfaction with. So when we think about venting and when is it going to switch from venting and airing to complaining, grumbling, muttering with discontentment, spreading, spreading discontent that produces dissension and disunity. And I can tell you, even in this relationship at times, that I can tell you that I've stepped over the bound to go, I'm grumbling right now and, I'm, and I realize that there's an attitude that I've produced in him that I'm accountable for, Right? So there's a responsibility that comes, then gossip comes back to talking malicious or with malicious intent, trying to gain support for your case. And uh, I don't, I, I'm just going, this is kind of where it's at. The result of these conversations, this is what I want you to hear before I pass it back to Trenton. The result of these conversations is not seeking validation from another person. 
Okay, you need to hear this, but seeking validation from God and how you walk it out. Because hum- humanity can validate. We can, we can lick other people's wounds all we want to, and it's not going to do anything for them. And how we want it, we, even though we want validation, the validation that we need is going, God, I want to honor you. God, I want to please you. So in my flesh, as I'm blabbing, I'm wanting someone to understand but at the root of Kevin, I want to honor God. And I believe that at the root of us, we want to honor God. Yeah, no, super good. So after you find this right relationship and you pursue deep conversation, I would add to, like, as you pursue deep conversation, I think, like, this looks different for the relationship and it looks different over time. I mean, so at first, like, I think, like, there's certain people that, like, have been more new in my life at this. And, like, I've had to pursue it in a different way versus, like, if I come talk to him or my wife or my mom or even some of my other mentors, like, I know they're going to immediately speak differently just because of the longevity there. But I think for all of us, we should always be looking for how we can have these relationships with certain individuals. So, um, number three is guard a safe environment, but bring mutual challenge. And this is kind of um, really important here because um, it's going to kind of step into where he was just speaking about. But this is a, a almost guardrail to keep you out of dysfunction. Um, so when you are in this type of relationship, you almost have to walk a tightrope between having a safe environment but still bringing mutual challenge. Because if you lean too far to the safe environment, that is where people just openly vent without any, any confrontation or challenge or different perspective. And then it leads to you just um, gossiping or, or, or going to a bad spot where all these, all these issues are built up. But then if you lead too far to the side of just constant challenge and correction, then what? No one's going to talk because no one wants to be corrected every time they speak. So it's literally a tightrope that both people have to be willing, and I don't think we walk it out perfectly. I don't think anybody can. I just think it's necessary that you aim for this goal. So um, with that in mind, I think Paul brings like a really good challenge um, to Peter in Galatians because it says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. And I love that he says, I opposed him to his face. Meaning he didn't talk about behind his back. He went straight to the problem and he talked straight to him. And I also love this because he went out of care of Peter. I think when we hear this like idea of opposition, I think a lot of us actually hear the idea of being challenged and we still take it negatively. Like very few of us like in any sort of regard to be corrected. But at the end of the day, the correction can actually be very beneficial and is very good as long as that correction is seated in the right motive. And so here it comes and says, Paul called out Peter. And I love it because Paul, Paul's goal here was to make Peter better. He recognized the standard that God had for them, and he recognized the uh, standard God had for himself. And so he was like, I want Peter to be, be, um, to be what God's called him to be. So that's why he approached him. And so with this, I think we need relationships that challenge our comfort. Because, again, a lot of us want just a relationship that's like, I, am, I just need to vent right now. Great. That's fine. But is there any challenge to that venting? Because if you just vent without challenge, it just leads to comfort. Because then you just think that person's silence agreeing with all the opinions that you speak. And how many know venting is never always perfect? Like, F at all. Like, there's always some root of sin in my venting. doesn't matter how justified or righteous I am. I am always venting in a negative light. That doesn't mean I can't do it. It just means I need to bring the right perspective with it. We need relationships that speak to our weaknesses. And this kind of goes back to the other point, is at the end of the day, if you're not true and real with someone, how can they truly speak to who you are? If someone knows your weaknesses and knows that in your venting, it's because you struggle with this weakness, you want them to speak to that and go, I can actually help you prevent this this even becoming an issue in your life because I know this is how you get here. Um, We need relationships that... um, 
know our tendencies and push us to, to, to get outside of our tendencies towards the tendencies God wants us to have. We need relationships that love where we live or help us love, where, um, help, man, I keep screwing up the statement of the whole series. Help us love where we live, okay? Um, um, they, they need to be people that go, no, you can be a better husband. No, you could be a better coworker. No, you could be a better a parent. You could be better in this relationship. No, like, is your perspective on this, like, really skewed and it's, like, not right? And you should actually view where you live differently. And could you approach this different? And could you end up with a different situation? And so I think if both sides of this relationship work at this, and this is, again, why it's so important to find the right person, is if both sides work at this, you will accomplish this goal. It may be imperfect, but it's like two people with the right goal in mind and they are keeping each other on balance. And so it allows you to be open and have safe, safe sharing space as well as going, no, I'm gonna be challenged. And for me in my own life, I have uh, multiple relationships and my parents and wife are probably the best at this, but I'm someone who just sometimes just needs to like just blow up emotionally. Like I just need to like get out, air out all my frustration. I can't deal with it mentally on my own. Obviously, it's not appropriate to do with everyone, but sometimes I just need to air out all my opinions, even if I know they're wrong. Like, I just need to air them out. So my family is actually pretty good at letting me get to that point of I've aired this out, but they never let me stay there. As soon as I've aired it out, then they bring healthy challenge. And I swear, like, it's, it's pretty rare that this sort of challenge comes in a correction form. It always comes out of, I actually know you're better than this. You can do this. Like, I actually see this as a strength in you, and you can actually affect where you're venting about with this strength. It's uplifting. And so it's a, it's a process that they know me, and I know them, and they can speak into my life in this way. Um, um, and I also, the other thing I think it's super important about this mutual challenge spot is I never stop getting checked on by these people. Like if I air something to someone and like one of these people, they continually go like, hey, how's this going? Like, how are you feeling about this? And sometimes even I just know I can keep bringing it up to them because they're not gonna get frustrated with me. And so again, I don't, Today is a, a shotgun spray of information, but really our heartbeat is that you would kind of identify these people in your life and you would work for a deeper relationship with them in this regard. And I think God really wants to do something um, through that, so. Good, really good. Number four, keep the main goal mutual growth. Keep the main goal mutual growth. Keep, today, what I, we want to clarify, you know, as you're here going, okay, well, great, well, who, we're just going to go confront everybody. Uh, the goal is not confrontation, all right? The goal, that's not the goal. The goal is not let's find everyone else's issue and let's fix their issue. Uh, what the goal of this conversation is mutual growth. The goal is not even that you're fixing somebody else, that you're allowing them to be used in your life that you grow. You're not responsible for their growth. You're responsible for your growth, okay? Um, so the main goal that we, that, we are, are, that we just grow, you know, I mean, I think what we have to realize is that we never arrive. You know, we never arrive. Even when we get to heaven, there's going to be perfection in certain areas, but we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to learn, you know, I mean, that there's going to be things that we're going to grasp. We're not going to be gods. So this process, we never arrive in, in, our, in our complete maturity. And so we have to come back and go, no, in this relationship, in the relationships I have, I want them to be better and I want to be better. I want to be more like Christ and I know that they want to be more like Christ. So how do we do this? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on. Everyone say spur one another on. How we may spur one another on toward what? Love and good deeds. This, the, the Greek word for spur here is to rouse to activity, to stir up, and to provoke. 
When we think of the word spur today, we think of a cowboy that wears these metal things on uh, their boots, and they are goading the horse. They're spurring the horse to get it to behave the way they want it to behave. So I don't want you as Christians to go get a pair of spurs and start goading people with your spurs. That's not what this is talking about. The goading is love. The goading is this place of going, I love you enough, and I want to spur you on towards a loving behavior. Is your relationship that you're in, are your relationships that you're in, are they rousing an action of love and good deeds? So maybe you have this kind of relationship already, and this is where you need to step back and go, is it, is your relationship stirring and rousing in them love and good deeds? Is your relationship with your spouse rousing and stirring up love and good deeds in their life? I can, that, that, this is an amazing test. Ephesians chapter 4, we see Paul writing once again. He says, so Christ himself gave these five offices of the church to equip the people to do the works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up. Everyone say built up. That the body of Christ, you're part of the body of Christ, that you would be built up, that you would build one another up. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith. How many know that this all reaching unity in the faith is never going to happen on this planet? This is an upward battle. This is a a continuation in our lives until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. I believe that even the knowledge of the Son of God is going to be in development in heaven. I can talk theology with you later, but I really believe that there's going to be constant learning. We're not going to know it all. And it goes on and it says, and become mature. Everyone say mature. And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Wow, what a goal. I mean, that's so far-reaching that I'd step back and go, man, if, if I were to look at my years of spirituality, well, then I'm this old in Christ. But as I begin to look at this and go the full measure of Christ, I'm like going, man, I'm really immature compared to where I need to be. Why? Because Jesus Christ is perfect. He's spotless. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Verse 15, and this is what I want you to hear. Instead, everyone say instead, speaking the truth in love that we will grow up to become become in every aspect the mature body of him. When we come back and we understand this whole thing, is it coming back to the goal is maturity. The goal is unity. And can I tell you, when we talk about unity, we're not talking about sameness of thinking. We're talking about unity. We're actually painting a picture of Jesus. Because Jesus, all of us, are the bride of Christ that are painting a portion of Jesus. So when we're talking about unity, it's not you agreeing with me or me agreeing with you. It's going, are we agreeing with him? Are we walking with him? One commentary said this. It said, it's very difficult to translate the phrase speaking the truth in love because it combines both truth and love. The word truth is a verb and not a noun in this Greek. Okay, so rather than being a noun of going this truth, no, this is actually a verb in the Greek. Truth is something that one does. This person lives out what he believes. That is why some translate this phrase as truthing in love. We must marry truth and love. Mature believers must be all about truthing. Living by truth orientation enables us to grow up in all things. The idea of this verse is more than speaking the truth. It includes believing it, applying it, and doing it. Can I tell you that there's many times that I can come and give a biblical principle to him, and I'm not even living it myself? Are we guilty of that? I mean, we're pulling him back to truth. 
But truthing is actually living it out. God never asks us to sacrifice truth for love or love for truth. The idea here is to maintain truth in the context of love. Love is the condition where speaking the truth exists. Truth and love are indivisible. So when we come back and we understand this whole thing of speaking the truth in love, it's to go, how am I bringing you to maturity? Am I truthing it out myself? Am I, am I living it that you can see it? Am I battling towards it? Just real quickly, I want to build community, not fracture unity. And I believe that's our statement today. We want to build, we want to build community, not fracture unity. Right? Am I correct? So when we come in with a statement, how do we do this? Number one, this requires humility. Requires a tremendous amount of humility that when you speak, you're speaking with humility. When you listen, you're listening with humility. Not speaking with judgment or listening with judgment. This requires love. Being motivated, guided by love. And I don't have time to go through it, but 1 Corinthians 13. Is this love, patient, kind, gentle, yada, 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 yada. Goes on all the way through. And then, lastly, this, true, this requires truthing. Not just speaking the truth because you know the truth, but speaking the truth because you're trying to live the truth. Our goal today, personal transfer, this personal transformation goal, this is not a relationship for you to change or fix someone else, but it is allowing God to change and fix you. Really, that's what it has to come back to. We're not here to judge other people. We're not here to fix everyone's problems. We're here to say, God, can you use that person in my life? And we're all a product of somebody else, are we not? The good and the bad. Um, what do you think? Anything else? Yeah, no, I think the only other thing I'd mention is if you keep the goal of growth in mind, it allows two things. It allows you to stay humble when someone comes and talks to you because you know you want to be better. So if you want to be better, then you will take the correction or challenge because your ultimate goal is growth. When we don't take the challenge, we get offended by the challenge. It's because we like get offended by them saying we need to change. But if you know you need to change and you want to change, then you accept that. It also gives you boldness because how many people like really struggle going like, no, like I want to say this in love, but I just don't know how to challenge. I don't feel bold enough to speak this in their life. Does anyone feel like that? Sometimes like I know this needs to be shared with them. You're all lying because there's no way that all of you are good at doing this. But I'm just going, what this does is if you're in this relationship and both of you want to grow, I, I get boldness to go to him and go, he's my dad and my boss. This has been really hard for me at, some, at times as I've gotten out of the household and grown up to go like, I'm trying to confront my pastor, boss, and dad by saying something right now. It, it's very hard, but I remember, I know he wants to be the best version of himself. And that doesn't mean I have all the answers, but it gives me boldness to go like, no, I actually can say this because I do know him really well. And I know he respects me as I say this. And so I think if, if, if the goal undergirding all this, underneath all this, is that you both want to grow, it really creates a, an awesome, awesome relationship that I think leads to us loving where we live better. Well, and, I, and I would say, that, you know, in, in relationship to that, that's really so good. Um, there's times that I come with, with direction or whatever in your life, challenge in your life, and you either have to accept it or throw it away. You know what I mean? Because I'm not God, right? And so I think that that's where we have to also understand that we're, as we're walking in relationship, there's a humility to listen and to search your heart and ultimately let the Holy Spirit speak the truth to you. Right? You know what I mean? The Holy Spirit has to be the one that directs it. And if the Word of God is speaking about it, we can't, dis we can't shovel it off. You know, if, if the Word of God speaks it, the Holy Spirit's speaking it. And if they're speaking the truth, then you need to evaluate your own life, right? Um, 
So real quickly, as we, I'm going to have you pray in just a second, but real quick, are you looking for this type of relationship? Uh, once you found it, are you pursuing the conversations that need to be had? In the middle of that conversation, are you maintaining and guarding a safe environment, seeking mutual challenge? And is your ultimate and ongoing goal growth for each other? I think these are questions that you need to ask yourself. We cannot do life alone. We cannot do life alone. We're not made to do life alone. It's not good to do life alone. And so that's this challenge that we want to extend to you as we are continuing to walk out this series of going, we need people to help us love where we live. God, I just thank you so much um, for this message today, God, and I thank you for each of these people. God, I know that each of them somewhere has had seasons of life, even if they're the most extroverted person in the world, God, where they just feel like they're alone and they just wish they could have someone to talk to you. God, we all find ourselves in that spot. I know I'm surrounded by people that love me and would talk to me in a heartbeat, but sometimes I still feel alone. And so I just pray against that, that um, this concept and feeling of aloneness. I feel like the enemy wants us to live there because that's where he can keep us isolated and and um, grow bad things in our heart, God, and allow sin. And so I just pray that our community would be better at being with one another, God, but not just any type of being with one another, God, but being with one another in mutual challenge and growth. God, one that goes, I want this person to be better and I want them to make me better. I want to understand them. I want them to understand me. I want their perspective to influence my perspective and vice versa. God, I pray that this would be a heartbeat that each of us have. God, and I know that it's not a one-size-fits-all, and no one can take these steps and just walk out of here and get it perfect, God. But I pray that each person hearing this message, God, online and in-house, God, would just feel feel in their heart, God, um, your spirit directing them, God, in relationships, God, in moments where they should speak up and challenge, God, in, in moments where they should should be the one to initiate and go, hey, can we have a conversation? Or, hey, can we grab coffee? Like, God, I pray that that would be said of each person, God, that they're sensitive to your Holy Spirit, God, leading them in those moments, God. And we just thank you for it, God, as we aim to love where we live, God, unlike we ever have before. God, we just give it to you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Hopefully everyone has a good Super Bowl afternoon. Um, Thanks for being here today. We will see you in the weeks to come. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.